0: Immersive Audio Podcast. In conversation with industry thought leaders, practitioners, artists, academics, and entrepreneurs, discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry from art, science, and business to practical insights and project case studies. We aim to inform, educate, explore, and unite the community. Welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast, brought to you by 1618 Digital. Today, host Oliver Cadell is joined via Skype by Will Bakkanen. Will has experience in producing for both video and audio, having started recording his own music in his personal life and progressing to become a music and music video producer full-time. Now, he's a director of RPP-TV, a production company specialising in developing production tools for the creative industries whilst working alongside academics and researchers. Today, Oliver and Will discuss immersive audio for music, film and gaming, The Assigned Project and procedural audio.
1: Will Bakkenham, good afternoon. Welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast. How are you today? I'm well, thanks, Oliver. And you? I'm very well, thank you. Whereabouts are you
2: calling in from? Uh, I'm actually calling in from the Sussex countryside today.
1: Oh, lovely. Are you having a day off? Uh, not
2: having a day off, no. I'm just uh, working from home.
1: Okay, I'm just going to dive straight into my questions. Um, whereabouts did you grow up?
2: Uh, I grew up... Uh, Actually, when I was young, the family originally lived in Malta for a little bit, then um, lived in Singapore for a little bit, and then I ended up going to school in Lancashire and um, at a boarding school, actually, and then my parents lived in Hampshire.
1: Ah, That's very interesting. So you moved around for a bit?
2: Moved around for a bit, yeah.
1: It's got northern and southern links and how did you get interested into audio and how did you get into the industry what was the your first step so uh, always played music loved playing you know and bands and stuff like
2: that growing up I went to uh, uh, Oxford Brooks and played in bands there and then got into recording doing little singles uh, working in studios a little bit And then I moved to London and um, actually went and did a postgraduate master's at Queen Mary College. And at the same time, sort of supported myself getting a job in a recording studio in uh, Shoreditch. And um, so I used to do partly our own recording, our own music, but also did some work with other people. that used to come into the studio and then fairly randomly um, got asked to produce Uh, some music and then that ended up uh, with a job as a record producer for a while and uh, then we used to do our own little films with our own music and some people saw that and then so people started asking us to do pop videos so we used to do pop videos as well so sort of it was a bit of a unexpected journey I suppose into audio becoming my work and entering the industry.
1: Uh, That's very interesting. Um, I wonder if you were into playing video games when you were younger. I'm just wondering what is the connection between being involved with music industry and video production and then gaming came about?
2: So I'm not really that into gaming, to be honest. Um, So more into audio and film production, really. so I think looking at, uh, I suppose, the immersive side, I think that comes about more because it becomes an emerging area of interest rather than something specifically that um, I ex- you know, uh, I'm into uh, consuming, if that makes sense, whether it's games or virtual reality and things like that.
1: What was your first experience with immersive audio? What was that moment when you realized, hmm, that's really interesting. Um, I would like to find out more, perhaps get involved.
2: Uh, Well, to be honest, we've been working on uh, supporting immersive formats, I suppose, in the projects that we're involved in more than actually even experiencing it just because it seemed to be something that was important to be looking at. I mean, originally, well, we've been developing tools that are more cross-platform production tools. In other words, they fit the traditional media production workflows. Uh, and I suppose now with the emerging object-based production workflows and people talking about games production and the rest of it, then it was looking at how to support those particular workflows as well. So I don't even really particularly listen to Immersive particularly or experience it Um working, we work on the projects with Gareth Llewellyn and um, with Mixed Immersion as well. So the, probably the, f- the most recent um, audio immersive experience was going and experiencing some of their work, uh, whether it's within speaker arrays or putting on um, headphones and headsets and and being immersive in that way. I think the most interesting recent immersive experience to do with audio is that... Um, We've been uh, looking to run some competitions for people relating to some of the things we do, and we were looking at trying to get some interesting prizes, you know, for the competition. And we have bought some um, Ambio Sennheiser intelligent headsets, um, which are basically headphones with binaural binaural uh, microphones in each of the um, earpieces, and actually, you can go out and you can just record audio and then listen back to it, or you can record video on your iPhone or iPad or something like that, and it records the uh, audio binaurally and plays back.
1: They're absolutely fantastic. I've got one in my bag pretty much every single day, just in case if I see or hear something interesting.
2: My first experience of binaural was going back to in the recording studio days, was um, when people were trying to use what was the Neumann head. And I'll maybe chat about that in a second, but uh, just to finish about the headsets, so I was just actually went out in the garden and I was recording just to test them out really, and playing back, and you can hear, you know, things moving around to an extent if they're closer, you know. So it was, it was you know, the audio but You think yes, these are pretty great, and the quality was good, and I think the interesting thing was then to then listen back just with my normal kind of stereo headphones, you know, not the binaural, not the um, Ambio ones. And actually, suddenly you can directly hear. And it might be slightly obvious, but actually, even with the stereo, it became almost quite. Um, and it's almost like the difference between, say, listening to an early mono recording and then a stereo recording, and then listening to these immersive audio recordings, you know, was again, you know, it seems to give much more spatial awareness around your listening and stuff like that, and actually recreating the audio experience that you have, you know, much more accurately. So um, I, that was impressive. Um, and actually, getting back to the Neumann head many years ago, in a, working in a, in a studio down in Sussex, there was a, a band had been recording an album with another engineer, uh, and the, the person working on the producer engineer, was saying, you know, we've been doing all these binaural recordings you know that they're putting on the record come and listen to this and I put the headphones on and I was listening they're saying what do you think that is and I was going uh, not sure actually uh, it just sounded like someone sort of scratching around or something like that and then, um, and he was saying uh, "Ah, that's someone being buried alive and um, so <laughs> I think it was very difficult in those days to really get an appreciation of what it is and possibly today as well it's quite difficult to get that kind of um audio context, you know, for those specific types of events. But definitely, and I think compared to the Neumann head, just even with these um, Sennheiser Ambio headsets, the recording or the capturing of the environment seems much more accurate now and much more as if you're listening back, you know, to 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 you know in the real world. So, I think things have come on a long way. Uh, but I suspect if somebody, you know, if you went out and dug a hole and buried someone with your Ambio head, you know, Sennheiser Ambio headset on, and then played it back and said, to somebody, what's that? I suspect the answer that they would give is probably similar to the one <laughs> many years ago at the Neumann Head. <laughs> are you digging your, are you planting your vegetables or something?
1: <laughs> it's definitely a very creative use of technology. Very interesting. I would like to move on to some of the questions about the projects that you guys have been involved with because they're quite interesting Uh, but before that perhaps could you tell our audience just a few words about your company and what you guys do
2: so um, RPP TV uh, we've been developing simple to use cloud native production tools for some years and um, recently we've been focusing on audio because uh, in our you know we we realised that actually audio was the you know was the really forgotten and difficult area for trying to um uh you know in 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 media production tools so we've been now trying to develop audio tools that sort of support the cloud production processes as well and then working with experts in academia to try to get the highest level of latest research quality and things like that to be able to give the best chance of producing you know tools and products that um are groundbreaking
1: what Provoked that uh, transition from your, I suppose, traditional way of working or or something you've been doing for years, and move to uh, providing or developing product and solution in within the audio industry. I think the first thing was we were uh, developing some very simple and easy to
2: use, um, you know, editing systems, really, so that anybody can very quickly put together like an ad or something like that from their desk wherever they are. I'm trying to do things through a browser, and um, audio is always a major issue. You know, it is actually more complex than video in many ways because you know, video you tend to have a single timeline, in essence. You know, where you you're cutting away from one visual piece to another piece, or to a picture, or something like that. But with audio, it's a far more complex environment where you've got multi tracks. You can have a voice, you can have sound effects, you can have music, and all these things. And actually, the complexity in trying to Uh, arrange and balance all of those things especially in very simple to use technologies is a a great challenge and that's the challenge that we then have tried to address to be able to support some of the other products that we that we were doing but actually it's kind of taken over a little bit now so we've become much more focused on the audio Um, and as you're probably aware um, you know vision technologies and things like that tend to get um, much faster acceleration and development rather than the audio side. Uh, and actually, interestingly enough, with, you know, with your experience, you probably appreciate it is that, you know, for us in real life, you know, actually we live in, obviously we are in an immersive world in in our everyday lives. And, you know, our vision is fundamentally sort of 180, isn't it? You know, and our audio is fundamentally 360. So in many ways, Audio is the truly 360 immersive sense that we have. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I think, somewhat lagging, but actually probably in some ways more important than the visuals.
1: Let's move on and talk about some of the interesting projects you've been involved with. Um, and first one is sign which stands for Autonomous Systems for Sound Integration and Generation. Um, that's a marvel. Um, very interesting concept um, could you give us an overview of the Assign project and what previous findings led to this line of work in general yeah
2: so this came about so we got some innovation funding from Innovate UK to do a feasibility study in being able to start to create synthesis procedural audio real-time models um, and we worked with Queen Mary University and uh, in that project and that was quite a successful outcome to that proving that we could, you know, we could, um, go through that process. We then, um, started to work, uh, on another R and D project. It was to take that work forward to do R and D development, to create a prototype. Um, and, uh, that's been relatively successful as well. So that's good. But then the key, Uh, issue that we then wanted to address was how can you connect uh, these real-time synthesis procedural models um, into the media itself. So, in other words, to um, be able to uh, access or create data from the media or from the storyboards and things like that, which can then be used to directly generate the sounds that are going to be used within the media production. So in a way, it was paralleling sort of visual effects and computer games where, you know, you get rendering is driven by high-level information. Um, So if a man drops a glass, you see it falling. So uh, uh, where the animation is a property of the object, and we're trying to look at where sound effects could follow the same basic paradigm, really. So almost like trying to look at Generating uh, Pixar for audio or something like
1: that. How far have you managed to get with developing this solution, and uh, what what is the roadmap for the coming years? Are, are you planning to release like um, a game engine plugin that you you know uh, game developers can use or sound designers for games can use?
2: Yep. So we've um, got some products coming out of these uh projects um, later on this year the projects are coming to an end uh, we've got we're commercializing some outputs there's probably going to be two main um things coming out this year the first one is uh, a procedural, a procedurally synthesized real-time audio sound effects library where people can go and um, use parameters to um, tailor and create sounds that they wish. Um, and that's the joint venture that we're doing um, with Queen Mary University, uh, which is going to be called Effexive. And that's due for release in the next couple of months. Uh, and then also uh, we've been working on a first, uh, apologies for the beat uh, we've been working on a first um, autonomous system um, we've been focusing, so we, when we develop products, we talk to end users and we also try to do business research based around it as well. So we're trying to align technical development with business knowledge and end user needs. We uh, follow a uh, human-centered um, design uh, process as much as possible so that we are trying to solve issues and issues and needs that, um, end users have. So especially when one is beginning to talk about immersive audio productions, some of the, uh, most time consuming aspects are things like footsteps replacement, uh, and Atmos replacements and things like that. And being able to quite do it quickly and easily, because there's a lot of, um, and tracking of people and things like that. So there's quite a lot of, um, you know, time consuming, complex layback of sounds. And especially if you're trying to do things like footsteps and 360, you know, it can become, you know, when we talk to people like mixed immersion, they're saying, you know, it is very, very time consuming and not the sort of thing that people really want to do. So we have been working initially on a first uh, step product, which is to actually start by trying to do... It's more based, I suppose, in the traditional um, filming on set and things like that, but it does relate to some of the new object workflows that are coming out. Is We're looking at being able to take any audio tracks that have been recorded on set and actually do some machine learning uh, acoustic analysis so that we can pick out where footsteps uh, occur. Um, and if there's multiple microphone arrays, can pick out other information like the spatial, uh, spatial, spatialization of where the things are happening. And then we've um, recorded initially a full footsteps library, actually high-quality HD. And the first step will be able to then best match with an existing footsteps and cloth library to be able to then replace... The sounds from the audio track in real time, and actually, we were working with um, some people up in uh, in Manchester um, at Salford on that work as well, bringing in some uh, research accents on that. Um, and then the uh, next step will be to um, actually, rather than call up the actual real footsteps, is to actually. Generate the sounds from the procedural models so we'll be able to take acoustic analysis and then call up and dial up uh, a synthesis procedural model you know of the footsteps in real time with the variation and the spatial and timing information required and lay it back in real time and then obviously give people the the opportunity to uh, tweak and change the sounds you know whether or not the um context of the sound like the environments and things like that or the material that the steps are on can be changed the second um thing we've been looking at is generating um atmos uh, with neural networks um and i think that's probably due to come online later this year probably towards the end of the year or early next year and also we've been working on um Taking any sound, object sound, you know, like whether it's, uh, um, you know, someone putting, placing something on a, a table or a, or, a, or a, a, a car engine or something like that, and looking at, taking any sound and replacing it or, or creating a sound model from it, which then people can use, you know, in their workstations and stuff like that with real-time parameter control, um, and then the effects of sound effects synthesis real-time library as well, which is due to come out in about two months' time with Queen Mary University too. So we're entering a time of um, product launches really.
0: The examples of audio you just heard were generated by two software technologies. The Effective is a procedural audio online synthesis system, which uses a Web Audio API, giving real-time control over sounds generated. The AmbiSynth is a new software to generate Atmos sounds from using a granular synthesis and then utilizing the Web Audio API again. There is a multi-channel output from AmbiSynth and users can upload their sounds to use within the AmbiSynth technology. If you'd like to sign up to receive more information on Effective and AmbiSynth, please register at Echomaze.com you can sign up for a competition to create a short narrative audio piece utilising these applications with a chance to win a Sennheiser Ambio smart headset. For more information, please check out our podcast show notes.
1: That's a very um, complex problem to solve. Um, I'm curious to hear how you guys go about um, kind of conceptualising and breaking it down to small milestones, small steps. Where, Where do you start if because um, I just assumed that in mine involve literally hundreds of steps um, between a problem and a f- fully working solution. And how, how big is your team? Uh, well, we
2: we have a, a, a sort of interesting uh, model, really. So there's eight of us in the company. Uh, but actually, we do work with a lot of academic excellence. Um, so we... Uh, I suppose we have a network and that means that we're working with Queen Mary University, Salford, et cetera. And that gives us, you know, a depth of knowledge and expertise that we can draw on. Um, And I think that's one of the, you know, one of the um, benefits of working with Innovate UK um, is that they are there to help fund industrial research and development. um, And, you know, being able to have an academic partner in these projects, you know, where they've maybe done three or four years work, you know, in in, in trying to address, sometimes longer, trying to address, you know, some challenges. Uh, and they come up with academic solutions, which are then ready to bring into industrial products, um, I think is, is the way that we tend to look at it. We also uh, sponsor research ourselves, you know, through PhDs and things like that to try to get some key problems solved uh we're also doing a a ktp um with york which uh again is based around some of the issues that we need to uh, try to solve so even though we're a relatively small company we've got quite a deep knowledge and, and expertise base to draw on and i think um you know, we've been through quite a time of trying to develop products, you know, in house, and, and you know, and having programming teams and the like. And I think people, you can you can have great people working, but um, I think if you're a, a smallish company, um, it's very difficult to uh, get real high level research and expertise in, that to try to make products that are going to be. Um, or services that are going to be um, really groundbreaking, you know, for the for the industry. So that's that's the approach that we now take, and um, I guess we'll see how successful we are in the coming year <laughs> with that approach.
1: In your personal opinion, do you think this technology will become widely used? What what would be your prediction? How how many years until we see uh, a variety of third party software developers and all kinds of players coming from all kinds of directions within the industry and contributing to that overall procedural audio landscape. Uh, I think. I think there's two
2: things, really. I think there's there's um, one is having some autonomous systems to try to make people's work much easier. In other words, take out some of the some of the time consuming and difficult tasks. You know, like understanding spatialization and timing. Uh, I think. The second thing is replacement of those sounds, you know, or adding the sounds into those environments as they're required. And I think with the procedural audio, the tipping point uh, is really the convincingness of the sounds, I think. I think there's no doubt, especially when you begin to talk about immersive and games and the like, that that's where having some kind of real-time interaction, you know, in... The actual experience is where procedural audio really makes a difference, doesn't it? You know, I think of its linear, fixed media. You know, if you have a sound effect, it comes and it goes, and there's no interaction. But I think if increasingly, and obviously, games is is, is fairly established, but in, you know, um, but increasingly, you know, the idea that actually, if you're engaged in these more immersive types of experience, is that actually, as you move in in those environments that, um, you know, the sound wants to move with you, really, doesn't it? You know, so that therefore actually the experience is richer and more realistic. Um, and I think from our side, anyway, the work that we're doing, you know, some of the quality of the synthesis techniques and some of the quality of the sounds, the, 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 real, the procedural audio sounds um, that are being made, whether synthesized or from neural networks, are actually pretty good and I think the conversion or the creation of these sounds is probably the key and there's a number of ways I think that people are trying to, to do this. One is some of the approaches that we're taking where we're using you know, deep research to convert sounds into models or algorithms and I think the other approach which uh, with Queen Mary, you know there's been PhDs working there that have informed the effects of sound effects um site you know they've been doing uh, sort of physics modeling really so in other words if you're thinking of sword motions or people you know anything where people are actually uh, you know lightsabers swords golf clubs or anything like that which has got swinging or motion through the air involved um it's then you know somebody looking at the physics and actually then saying Okay, I'm actually going to build the physical equations, you know, from the physics of the motion and the sound, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to then have a mathematical model of what you have that's moving um, and then actually be able to change the parameters of it quite easily, like speed of motion, length, size, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And that's also, you know, a pretty extraordinary way to start generating sound but of course the approach to be able to generate that kind of model you know it's a three-year PhD plus then taking you know that research work and trying to put it into uh, you know something that people can actually use so I think there's a lot of time and effort and complexity involved but you know from our experience and going and now actually hearing and working with people these and bringing these types of sounds through is that there's no doubt that they're getting closer and closer and closer. And we work with sound editors in film TV. And, um, you know, increasingly they're being more and more convinced and saying, yep, actually this is a great sound. I mean, obviously there are synthesis type sounds, you know, like sirens and telephones, which, you know, are much easier to do. But I think some of the things like, you know, uh, Things moving through the air, propellers, golf clubs, swing swords and all those kind of things, you know, which come from this physics modeling becoming very good. And I think uh, in our experience, things like impacts, like footsteps, you know, those kind of sounds also pretty good as well. So I think, you know, we expect to be bringing out convincing high quality products that people will use, you know, for high quality production, not just for, you know, low end more everyday type of users.
1: That was my next question, actually. Um, I wanted to ask what actually happens behind the scene in terms of sound physics. Is it some sort of a modulation of a sound source, perhaps if it's an organic recording, existing sound, or is it predominantly synthetic sounds It's like complex assembly of um, oscillators contributing into one Sound that makes that kind of uh, complex version, um, in the same way that you know things occur in in the, in the real world, or, or perhaps a combination of both, or does that depend on what actual, what actual sound you're trying to replicate?
2: Um, I think it. I think uh, depends a little bit on the tie on the sound you're trying to replicate. I think you know when we're talking, we're, we're focusing a lot on you know real world sounds and things like that rather than music um and of course i think there's a a complexity to those in some ways so you can have the sound of a clarinet and it's actually quite a harmonic sound and it's relatively easy to synthesize that that type of sound you know there's not that many um components if you like that would make that sound up so it's, it's relatively easy to get at least a relatively convincing sound of course i think to get complexity to performance and emotion and that is of course a different matter um So with the procedural audio synthesis of sounds, we're fundamentally, I think there's two approaches really. One is actually uh, modeling the sound either through physics or or trying to um, understand the sound and then use what I would actually call as a digital synthesizer to actually recreate that sound synthetically and then have some high-level parameters to be able to control it. Maybe use some semantic uh, tags, you know, to be able to do control as well. So in other words, it's not just, you're not just faced with 300 oscillators and filters that you've got to try to tune. You know, it's actually simple, you know, four or five parameters, which might then think say things like speed or pitch or density and things like that. So I think to make it easy for people to use. Um, and I think... It's quite interesting, actually, that if we're talking about digital synthesizers doing it, then then there are you know different types that have been around, I think, for for you know quite a long time, and then there's the Web Audio API, which is now beginning to you know obviously take you know a major place in terms of um, audio in browsers. Where all the you know the 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 actual synthesizer in inverted commas is the Web Audio API, and you can actually run things client-side. I think the other emerging, um, if you like, uh, sound generation is beginning to use neural networks more rather than these digital synthesizers, and I think increasingly they will be used as the ne- as the next generation of sound generation i think you know um, i think there's complexity in those and that i think they're still not that stable in some ways <clears throat> and there's there's difficulties in in uh training up some of these neural networks to then be stable and, and to produce you know what you want back but but they do seem to show a great deal of promise that makes sense
1: That's fascinating. Uh, Actually, the next question I was going to ask is along those lines. Because what you mentioned earlier, and actually I've been to a couple of presentations, I can't remember the researcher's name because it was a few years back uh, at Queen Mary University. The complexity and the amount of research uh, that goes into developing um, a roadmap essentially for one sound, and I appreciate these are quite fundamental steps, uh, as opposed to more of an execution side of things. So it does take a lot of time, but I'm wondering if we, or perhaps somebody's already considering using AI to speed up the process, to to improve the quality, to um, I suppose extrapolate the from the research and development that has been um, achieved to this point and kind of take it further and accelerate the process. Am I making sense?
2: Yep, you are and actually we have been uh, working on that and Queen Mary have been working with us on that. We work together on it. So using machine learning and things like that to be able to firstly improve the quality of sounds to you know to be able to understand better what makes the sound you know to give it the quality that's required but also then to speed up the process of actually generating more models and things like that. So we work with, um, you know, professor Josh Reese at, um, QM mainly in the center of digital music. He's, uh, one of the main academics that we, um, collaborate with and, um, yep. So there's, there's definitely work there in trying to improve the speed of development, but also, uh, to be able to generate critical mass. Because, obviously, critical mass at some point becomes, um, you know, becomes important. It's not so much critical mass of having tons and tons and tons of algorithms. It's actually building a critical mass of parameters so that you understand how, if you've got one algorithm, you can generate all the sounds you might need, if that makes sense. So it's like saying we've got one synthesizer, for instance. And, uh, you know, if you've got a synthesizer with as many, you know, filters and oscillators and things that you would need the complexity is then understanding how to set all those things to create the sound that you want so i think using machine learning or ai to assist in that process is definitely ongoing and um, important
1: for our audience who would like to learn more about procedural audio in your company where would be the next opportunity to come and say hello and perhaps see some of your products um, in action even if it's just that prototype stage at the moment
2: Yep. So um, we've got uh, a stand at the International Business Show in Liverpool on June the 27th, which is the Creative Industries Day. So we'll be there showing what we're doing. Um, We've also been uh, playing around with a a robot, actually, and we'll be bringing a robot along for a bit of fun just to assist us on the day. and then uh, we have been invited to present at IBC, at the IBC conference in September in Amsterdam. And also we've been offered uh, some space in the future zone at IBC. So we'll be showing up doing there. <clears throat> we are about to do some dissemination through AMPS, um, which is the Association of Motion Picture Sound. And we'll be doing some presentations, I think, at Delaney Sound. And we're going to start running... Some simple little competitions where people can use um, some of the sound effects and things like that to create some soundscapes, and we'll be offering, you know, little prizes like these um, intelligent Ambio Sennheiser headsets for the best use of procedural audio and things like that. So over the next, that's over the next three or four months, we'll be doing those three things.
1: How can content developers, um, sound designers, and anything in between? Can get their hands on um, your product and perhaps try to beta test it or see how it works. Is it available or is it going to become available at some point soon? Yes,
2: so the effective procedural audio site that we are doing as a joint venture with Queen Mary um, is soon to be ready for people to use and um, the URL for that is effective, which is fxive.com and I think I think we'll be announcing it I think through a competition so perhaps we can um, talk to you about that near the time probably in the next four to six weeks or something like that I think when it comes to the autonomous footsteps replacement we're doing we're looking at a release probably in September Um, And so perhaps uh, we've obviously got our website, which is rpptv.com, where people can go and see updates, people can um, get in touch with us through that. Uh, That's probably the best way to, to, if people are interested, and then we'll obviously keep them informed through mail outs and the like uh, about what's happening.
1: Would it be available in a form of standalone application or perhaps there'll be some kind of integration within game engine environment or middleware or uh, doors?
2: Yep, so the um, effects of website is really a next generation sound effects website where people can go onto a website and actually create and tailor a sound that they would like and then they can download it and then import it into their workstations. The autonomous footsteps replacement is a more integrated workstation situation where people can send their guide audio tracks out, uh, the processing will happen, and then the data will be sent back um, with the you know best match footprints uh, or footsteps that are required. Um, and I think with the uh, neural network Atmos On Demand, Again, it will be that people will be able to just reach out, you know, through a plugin and actually dial up what they want and then um, stream it in. And I think that to a certain extent, then obviously having some uh, with the plugin developments, having some controls out, you know, from your workstations to be able to, um, you know, have that kind of interactivity as well.
1: Will, what's in store for 2018 for your team and yourself personally? You know, I think the main aim of, say,
2: working with Innovate UK projects is to develop new services, um, you know, for the future that's going to help support job creation and taxation going forward for the UK. So, you know, it's trying to develop the next generation industries and services that's going to sort of support the United Kingdom. Um, So, our aim is very much releasing products we're product release focused or service release focused Um, and that's probably the main uh the main the main things that we're going to be working on for the rest of this year is getting these products out we're also um looking at then bringing doing the development of our next um next phase of development, which is actually going to be trying to extend the autonomous systems, not just from acoustic analysis, but looking into some vision analysis techniques as well to be able to drive the generation and placement of the sound effects. That obviously opens up more, um, more end users, you know, more immersive in games and animation where there aren't audio guide tracks. So we see that as an important um an important initiative that we that we have started and, and that is ongoing for us but we think that's quite a long term a long term uh challenge but we have done quite a lot of work with it we've been working on uh we did a project actually which was an innovate uk another innovate uk project which was based around um media and um an aging community so we were Developing uh, easy-to-use tools that people could create media for consumption in a in a in a community channel, you know, a, a which was aimed more of at a uh, um, you know an aging population, so it would be tailored to them. And we needed to develop some uh, added value services, so we started to look at um, scene and object recognition and person, people recognition and things like that. So there's a way of actually seeing if people are have fallen over or etc. all those kind of things, you know, the environments that they're in and, and who's coming and going. Um, so that was useful that we did that because we're being able to bring in some of those vision AI techniques into the media production workflow. It is actually a complex arena because if you start to look at trying to, say, replace footsteps um, based just on vision gate analysis, for instance. And and as you know, as a, a sound editor, quite often you, can, you only see the upper torso and things like that. Um, but, you know, so we're working on those kind of challenges and again, working with experts in biometrics and things like that to be able to assist in, in supporting those challenges as well as looking at, you know, vision scene recognition to be able to um, understand the best generation of Atmos, you know, from neural networks and things like that. So in terms of 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 product release and uh, innovation research those are the sort of areas that we're looking at other than that try and um you know enjoy what we do you know it's actually um you know even from a business perspective as well as a uh, as well as a um development of, of services or products you know we are it, it's a creative industry and you know we we try to be you know it's good to be creative fundraising comes into it as well of course and those types of things and activities and so that's what we're we're also currently engaged in looking at um you know different fund fundraising activities to be able to accelerate what we're doing as well
1: what would be one piece of advice would you give to someone who wants to enter the industry today?
2: Um, I think, I suppose in a way, it's possibly the advice that I try and maybe every now and then give myself, which is what we do should be enjoyable. It should be creative. um, It's easy to get, you know, to get caught up in in um, what appears to be too much work, you know, sort of pressure, if you like, or something like that. But I think it's important to see the creative industry. It is actually a great industry, whether it's from music to film or whatever, which is in some ways um, a great place for, for perhaps people who, who have um, a different, less conformist, if you like, um, approach to life. You know, it's a great, it's a great industry for people to go and, make their mark, uh, enjoy being creative. Um, it's, you know, the people who work in the industry, I think, are many like-minded people. You know, it's very, very friendly. It's, it's a great industry to go into. I think the difficulty obviously comes making money, I suppose, <laughs> and the fact that, you know, there's so many people who are, you know, small companies, self-employed, doing, you know, work and trying to make a name for yourself. So I think that is where some of the challenges lie and, uh, you know, where one tries to go and find experts, you know, to work alongside, you know, to, you know, creatively and uh, probably, um, you know, from a business focus as well, you know, so that you can actually really learn from the best. Um, And I think that would then set you up in good stead, you know, for the future.
1: I think that's a fantastic piece of advice. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you, Some of the stuff you've been talking about, you guys doing, is absolutely mind-blowing, in my opinion. And I definitely would like to talk to you again in in about nine or 12 months' time and see where you are and learn more. We'll see what we've actually got out, and then hopefully you'll be using it.
2: (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) We'll definitely let you know about it anyway, when it's ready.
1: Thanks very much, Will, and take care. Thanks, Oliver.
0: You've been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast, hosted by Oliver Cadell with guest Will Backenham. This episode was produced by Abigail Burcham, Gillian Duffy, Oliver Cadell and Giacomo Corpino and included music by Nobbs Bergamo. If you enjoyed listening, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review and subscribe. Visit 1618digital.com to access the show notes, other episodes and any bonus content. Follow us at 1618digital on Twitter and Instagram and you can now access all of our episodes from Stitcher. Thanks for listening.